Welcome to the first episode of the Integrated Care in Action podcast, where we will discuss the strategies for implementing a strength-based and supportive model for supervising peer support specialists. This podcast features discussions with experts around innovative strategies for supporting providers and health plans in the delivery of coordinated, high-quality care to individuals enrolled in both Medicare and Medicaid. I'm Alexis Esteman with Resources for Integrated Care, and today we have several experts with us from the Council of Southeast Pennsylvania, a recovery support organization with a robust peer services program serving Greater Philadelphia. A recovery support services or peer support specialist is usually used to refer to someone who is an individual in recovery from a mental health challenge, substance use disorder, or co-occurring illness who, with training, uses their lived experience to assist others in their journey towards wellness. With us, we have Bev Haberly, Executive Director, and two Recovery Support Services Supervisors, Fred Shuey and Lena Martyr, who works at the Council part-time. So I'd first like to thank you all so much for chatting today about your experiences with implementing a more effective model of peer supervision and how this was really able to um, transform your organization. So by the end of this, we're hoping that listeners are going to be able to take with them concrete tips and some actionable strategies that they can actually apply to peer programs at their own organizations. To kick us off, I'd like to start with talking about the model of supervision that the council used to have before you move to a more strength-based approach, which we can go into in more detail a little bit later. So, Bev, if you could share a bit about the history of the peer program at the council, I think that would be a really great place to start. Sure, Alexis. The council has 20-some years of providing peer-based recovery support services. And over those years, certainly early on, um, we really looked at what kind of were the supervision needs. Some of it was truly um, kind of developing as we were going along. And the the model that we came up with was one that was really a three-prong model for our supervisors. Um, The three prongs of the supervision model were administrative. So it was all of the um, making sure we had the right staff orienting and placing the staff, um, planning and aligning and delegating work, you know, monitoring and reviewing and evaluating the work, um, sort of coordinating the work, um, you know, sharing information and, you know, all the things that go in the in the administrative component, um, and particularly a, a lot of time management and how people are working. And the second prong um, or the leg of the supervision's role was to do the formative or the education piece of supervision, which is all of the, um, you know, sort of assessing what kinds of things people needed in order to continue to grow, um, to identify and acknowledge the um, sort of the skills and necessary that were necessary to do the work. And then sort of what were the core competencies and where people were within those core competencies of, um, you know, what a supervisor that was going to be supervising a peer task or um, work staff or staff um, would need, and then and the sort of the educating the staff on the role of the peer support and what that was all about comes into that you know prong of it, and then the third prong was the supportive piece, and um, within the supportive component were things like, you know, advocating many of our staff were folks that were going to be working in the community independently. 
So, you know, and, and also working within other systems to make sure that our supervisors were advocating for them whenever there was some conflict or need that things needed to be um, worked out, um, reassuring them, encouraging them, uh, recognizing efforts, providing opportunities for the person to, for the, the peer to be able to vent. As I mentioned, there many of them are working um, within the community and they need to have some place to come back and share some of their frustration and some of their things that they feel really good about that, that have occurred. And then, um, you know, giving sort of some perspective for folks encouraging the self-care component and then you know really creating opportunities within that supportive role to um, connect with other people who were um, providing peer services and what we found um, throughout you know developing this and, and this role evolving is that where there was the least amount of time to really do well was the supportive role. Fred, I know that you were a recovery specialist before you moved into your supervisory role. As a peer, would you be able to share your experience working under this three-pronged model? Yeah, sure, Alexis. Um, as, as Bev was mentioning, um, this supportive role seemed to have gotten crowded a little bit. Um, I came on about five years ago, and in hindsight, I guess it was a pretty exciting time where the peer role was really expanding and becoming more professional and there and documentation came in and it was being more recognized and and as a result under that model um there was more emphasis i believe on the administration and the administrative and the educational um because there was so much information that needed to be imparted um i could see how that supportive piece might have gotten um pushed out a little bit and at the exact same time we were becoming more mobile we were more out in the field i believe uh, we were becoming more connected to other, other agencies. And so that one hour a week or an hour and a half a week that we spent with that supervisor from a, from a recovery specialist role, it became more critical because that was our sometimes our only contact in a whole week with the agency as a whole. Um, so at the same time, they're trying to impart so much knowledge, we're kind of needing that hour. And so it, I can see now from a manager perspective, that probably is where they started to see that they needed to uh, uh, adjust what they were doing. And uh, Nina Martyr, who's on the call, Nina was my supervisor at the time, so she could probably tell you more about um, how we uh, went from that model into the newer model. Uh, so uh, let me pick up there. Um, I, I am Lena Martyr, and I was the supervisor for the uh, peer specialist at the time. And I think from a fundamental level, we recognized, I certainly did, that um, the role of supervising all of the peers um, was a large role. And um, in juggling the administrative supervision, which um, was really very much operational, dealing with, you know, caseloads and managing peer hours and interactions with colleagues, quality of work, all of that. Um, a lot of that time really ended up trumping the time that um, I was able to allow within a you know a forty hour week to provide the um, peer specialists with the support that they needed the the supportive strength based supervision. In a few sentences, would you be able to define what strength based supervision is? 
um, uh, the key word in, in a strength-based supervision is that it's a collaborative process. It values um, the skills, the knowledge, and the potential in the peer specialist. Um, it focuses on the strengths of the peer specialist, while at the same time it doesn't ignore any challenges that they may have. Um, and so through working collaboratively with the peer specialist in a supportive supervisory style, um, you can provide consistent, frequent opportunities to explore and problem solve their work, their successes, and their challenges um, on an ongoing basis. And um, when I say ongoing basis, that's a good lead in for me in terms of some really key tips to providing um, supportive strengths-based supervision, because you want to ensure that you are consistently providing opportunities on a regular basis in a structured setting, that there's an ongoing frequency that the peer knows when to expect that supervision, that they're receiving encouragement every time during their supervision, um, that your um, supervision is also individualized. So your supervision, if you're supervising 10 people or 20 people, it needs to be individualized because each peer is different and each of their needs are different, each of their strengths are different and each of their challenges are different. So your supervision really, you need to know as a supervisor, the person that you're working with during that time. Um, and that you're, um, as Fred talked about before, one of the things I really tried to do on an ongoing basis was to model for them so that their, their supervision really modeled what they might be doing in their in their peer um, to peer roles, so their that modeling is coaching them on how to perform in a helping role um, and providing them with guidance on how to address personal challenges that they may experience each time in that role. And that really is a great forum for um, modeling what they're doing on a day to day basis as a peer specialist. And so it sounds like when you all made the change, you know, Fred was talking about how he came in about five years ago, which was a really exciting time because you all were expanding. So it seemed kind of like, a, I guess, a natural point for you all to, to make some changes, coupled, Lena, with your extra time that you're able to, to dedicate or at least more focused time with you moving to a part-time role and then allowing to bring someone else to, to provide additional support. Um, what's the size of your peer workforce, or at least that the size um, during the time that you all made these changes? You know, how many supervisors did you have versus the number of peers that you were working with? At the time um, that we were beginning to make this change, we had about ten peers and one and a half supervisors. Our peer force has increased greatly. Um, we're up to around 23 um, peers working um, in various counties throughout the Southeast region. And we have six supervisors. That's incredible. So in kind of going back to really understanding what this, this shift looked like and the new model that, that you moved to, if I'm understanding this correctly, um, you had you kind of split up the administrative and then the supportive supervisory roles. 
is that correct? Um, you know, could you kind of describe what now your your new model looks like and how it manifests? Yes, that is correct. And um, our supervisors are also the site coordinators um, for each of the areas um, because we are diverse um, in various counties. So our supervisors are the people who are on a home base, if you will, for our peers, even though they are working out in the community. Um, they are the, the people who are anchored within that community, uh, within that county. And then we have one full-time supervisor. Lena talked about, you know, starting out two days a week. We have one full-time supervisor who provides just the, su the supportive kind of role for all of our peers. So we have a full-time supervisor that does that. Um, and then the other coordinators, um, supervisors, are able to provide the administrative and the educative components for their peers. When you guys um, made this change, did it take a long time or did was there any pushback from any of the, the peers, the supervisors, or anyone else at the organization? And if there was, how did you handle that? So from my perspective, um, I really didn't see any pushback at all. If anything, I saw the opposite. Um, I really saw um, the ability to now provide a, a supportive supervision from our peers, welcomed by them because they now were getting a, an opportunity and a venue to be able to really talk about the work that they were doing and the specific cases um, and people that they were working with that they didn't have the opportunity to have before. So um, it was really very welcomed by them. I would agree with that. Um, the, only, the only thing that I would add to that is that as with any change, um, the devil is in the detail. And sometimes it's really important. What, what we found is that it was important to make sure that the supervisors slash coordinators and Lena were very aligned and, and there was an opportunity for them to communicate so that the peer who was receiving supervision from two different people was getting the same message from both. Fred, from your perspective as a peer, since I know that was uh, your role kind of when this change happened, did you experience any pushback on the ground um, as a result of the change? What was your experience with that? As Lena said, it, it it felt more supportive. It felt it felt better. It felt more comfortable. Um, the way she explained it to me really helped, and I believe that's the way she explained it out. That she was going to be modeling our sessions in the, in a similar way that she wanted us to model our our CRS sessions, uh, certified recovery specialist sessions, with our peers. Uh, similar, you know, form and philosophy, strengths based, um, person centered, and and just that that feel um, made it very helpful, very supportive um, to where I think we were able to become even more, you know, I felt more, I felt more able to be open with my concerns, what we were dealing with, um, being able to be more open about, you know, my own issues, because it felt like it wasn't going to be judged. It was going to be supported. So 
It sounds like the way that you modeled these supportive supervisory sessions kind of helped to reinforce what you were doing on the ground with the folks that you're working with. And then, you know, vice versa, if you're kind of following that same approach, that same model with the people that you're working with on the ground, that kind of feeds back into building your relationship with your supervisor and having your supervisor support you in that same way. Um, and that seemed to be you know, what really worked for your organization. For you personally, um, did the model help you overcome any of the challenges that you experienced when you first became a peer support specialist, Fred? Yeah, I, I believe it did. I, um, I struggled very much with the documentation portion of this as it got more and more developed and, and more and more specific. I, I'm not a natural documentation person. I'm not, a, I'm not naturally organized. And so those are the kind of things that probably early on I would be hesitant to bring to a supervisory session. Um, you don't want to look weak. You don't want to look like you're having trouble with the job. But I believe it was easier to bring that sort of challenge to the sessions because you just felt less, less judged. I bet. And you kind of knew after a little while that it was going to be dealt with in a, in a positive way. Um, I, I think I heard over and over again from... Um, lean and other supervisors that Fred, we can teach you documentation. We can't teach you that compassion and caring that the peer role has. So you have that, but we can teach the rest of it and, and we'll get you there. And I think I've come a long way from there and it all got started. I think um, back when it, we were making that shift. I think that I knew we were on the right track in making these changes as the executive director of the organization. When we were monitored, um, our records were all reviewed by our funding agency. And one of the things that um, I was told at the end of the monitoring visit was that um, one of our peers had had the best records that they had ever seen and that they um, truly wanted to be able to have my permission to use it as an example for other organizations and that we certainly should use it as an example within our own organization. Um, at the time, I was curious about who it was that um, which one of our, our peers had it was, and it turned out it was Fred. And Lena, in your working with Fred, you know, did you kind of see this happening as well along with the other people that you were supervising? And then also from your own experience as a supervisor, do you think that this change also strengthened your skills in the in the role that you had? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, first off, you know, if we talk about, you know, using the example of the documentation um, and we go back to when we were a combined supervisory model, um, again, when you went into into a supervisory session and you had to address documentation from an administrative perspective, it it always came off more in terms of, you know, I'm putting these post-it notes on here and you need to fix this. Um, and though I've always been known as the post-it queen, even when we shift to a supportive role, when my post-it notes would go on a chart after I would look at it, even the the quality from my own perspective of the post-it notes, whereas previously it was a you know a kind of almost like the 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 red um, uh, ink that you would put on something you know fix this the post-it notes the quality of them changed where it was 
think about uh, a different way to say this. It was really, you know, my perspective on even um, putting a post-it note on something shifted to a more strength-based perspective to uh, and a more supportive perspective to really um, be a, um, a trigger for a conversation, the conversation in, in supervision. And I, and I do recall even saying possibly to Fred during the course of this time that, you know, this was a growth experience for me as well um, in terms of, you know, how to look at things differently from a, from a supervisory perspective. So Lena was talking about the post-it notes and how it, it went from um, early on somewhat punitive to later on it became felt more supportive. And you know, I think a great example of that is um, as Lena was going into retirement again, uh, and this is a, a good a tip, we, do, we also do monthly uh, group supervision. Uh, so the CRS can kind of uh, work off of each other and share best practices, talk about cases. Well, as Lena was heading towards retirement, um, the last CRS group meeting that she was going to be at, uh, we gave her a, a, a typical uh, farewell card where everybody signs it, typical. However, in this case, he, the card was filled with post-it notes um, that were all signed and written on by all the CRSs. And so that kind of brings it full circle to the way they went from something that was not exactly welcome at first to a, a supportive part of the job. And so let's put that out there. That was, that was pretty neat the way that all played out. So the shift in approach aligned with moving away from a punitive culture towards a positive one. Given that you more than doubled your peer workforce since this shift, have you been able to keep this model sustainable? Sure. Um, certainly as our workforce has grown, um, we now have a full-time person um, doing what Lena had done and as a in the supportive supervision role and um, combining the administrative supervision um, along with that role has certainly showed that our um, our people are able to um, have a higher quality of work. I think some of the um, what Lena referred to as the post-it notes are getting um, changed quickly and and in, without any resistance to doing that. Um, the positive kind of uh, approach to doing this, um, everybody sees it as a learning opportunity where I don't believe in the past they would have seen it as a learning possibility. Many of our folks have not never experienced uh, a strength-based supervision kind of thing. So I think early on there was some real resistance to that. And this has changed that kind of thing, that it's a collaborative, supportive kind of um, of, of culture that has evolved as we've made these kinds of changes. And I think within peer culture, that supportive um, modeling of the kind of work that we're expecting our peers to do has been has paid off in many, many ways and has been beneficial to the agency as a whole. So I just want to thank everyone again for speaking with us today and sharing more about your experiences with your peer supervision program. It's clear that you've been able to build a more supportive culture for both supervisors and recovery support specialists. For our listeners, if anyone is interested in reaching out to the Council of Southeast Pennsylvania for more information, their website is www.councilsepa.co.uncilsepa.org, and the phone number is 215-345-6644. 
Um, I'd like to thank everyone for joining our conversation today. And if you're interested in learning more about the resources that we have at Resources for Integrated Care, we have uh, several tip sheets on implementing peer programs and reducing negative attitudes towards peer staff, and also complimentary videos, which actually feature our uh, speakers from today. And those are available on the RIC website. This podcast is presented by the Lewin Group and is supported through the Medicare-Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, Resources for Integrated Care develops technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations in care models. To learn more about current efforts and resources, please visit our website, www.resourcesforintegratedcare.com, or follow us on Twitter for more details at, at integrate underscore care.